John chapter 14. John chapter 14. It's been many years ago, but I still remember it. In fact, I may never forget it. I was shocked. Just plain shocked. See, I was talking to a lady one day at a Christian camp. And this lady was a lady who loved the Lord and served the Lord and truly knew the Lord. And I was telling her about a new song on heaven. A new song that had been written on heaven. And she was not excited. In fact, she told me that she was tired of singing about heaven. And I just stood there dumbfounded. She went on to explain that all that her church really wanted to sing about was heaven. And obviously she wanted more in-depth Bible study and more in-depth singing. Now, I cannot comment upon all of that because I don't know the whole situation. But I left that day still shocked that a believer whatever, grow tired of singing about heaven. But it seems that she is not alone. Randy Alcorn wrote a pretty large book just simply entitled Heaven. It's an excellent work. And in the beginning of the workbook that goes along with the Bible study that goes with the book called Heaven, in fact, we studied it here some time ago on Wednesday evenings, Randy Alcorn shares what a pastor once told him And Randy described this pastor as, listen, a Bible-believing, seminary-educated pastor. And I want you to hear this pastor's words. Uh, uh, And I quote, Whenever I think about heaven, this is a pastor now, whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. I'd rather just cease to exist when I die. I can't stand the thought of that endless tedium to float around in the clouds with nothing to do but to strum a harp. It's all so terribly boring. Heaven doesn't sound much better than hell. I'd rather just be annihilated than spend eternity in a place like that, end quote. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'd hate to go to his church, wouldn't you? I can imagine the evangelism program is very powerful there, huh? No, it'd be in shambles. I would imagine their favorite song to sing would not be what we sang today. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We'll sing and shout the victory. Beloved, think about it. Depressed about going to heaven? Dreading heaven? Comparing heaven to hell? Now, I'd like to say this morning that I don't think that we think about heaven enough. In fact, I don't think we focus on heaven enough. I don't think we sing about heaven enough. You know why? Because we're busy trying to make our little heaven here. And we forget that we're not truly home yet. And so I want us this morning to go to our only reliable, authoritative source for information on heaven, and that is the very Word of God itself. And um, this is what that poor pastor needs to do, by the way. He needs to go to his Bible and study his Bible and see 
It's not a dreadful place. It's a glorious place. And I want you to look with me this morning at the words of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John. John chapter 14. And I've had these words from the Lord Jesus on my heart this past week. And I want to impress them upon your heart. Uh, These are words that you may hear quite often at um, a funeral. You may think about it when a loved one passes away. But I want us to think about it together today. In John chapter 14, these are the words of our precious Lord Jesus. He says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. As you'll notice, beloved, very quickly here, heaven is not a troubling thought. In fact, the thought of heaven is supposed to ease the other troubling thoughts that we're experiencing. Did you notice what the Lord says there? Let not your heart be troubled. And so I want to think with you first of all this morning about the promise of heaven. The promise of heaven. Now the disciples in this passage, they're troubled. Jesus is soon going to be leaving them. They've been told that one of them is going to betray him. They've been told that Peter's going to deny him. And all of that is in chapter 13 if you were to go back and read. And then you come to chapter 14, and the very first words we find the Lord Jesus saying are are these, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, it was not a time to panic. It was a time to trust, to trust God and to trust the Lord Jesus. And beloved, there is a lot to be troubled about in our world today, isn't there? There's a lot to be concerned about. Uh, One episode of the evening news is enough to give some a panic attack. You ever think about that? Just one episode, 30 minutes of the evening news is enough to give some people the panic attack. There's so much in our world to trouble us. I understand that Howard Jones of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association was once preaching from this passage to people in Sudan. And as he was going through the scripture here, he noticed that the interpreter was having difficulty with the text. And after the service, he asked the interpreter about him. And the translator said, well, in the Sudanese language, the heart isn't the seat of our emotions. The liver is. So when I translated your words, it came out like this. Don't let your liver quiver. (laughs) Now, I like that. There's a lot to make your liver quiver this morning. But Jesus says, listen, I don't want your heart or your liver to be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And here Jesus gives them and those of us who know him some precious promises. Why? Because he knew that they were going to need them and he knew that we were going to need them. I want you to notice the promise of heaven. Notice, first of all, he tells them there was room for them in heaven. There was room for them in the father's house. He says in verse two, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In fact, he stakes his own reputation on it. He says, listen, if it were not so, I would have told you. Now, the old gospel songs that we sung growing up, some of us, and we listen to and we know, they kind of make us think that we're all going to get our own mansion. That we're all going to have our own mansion in glory. But that's not exactly what it says here. Uh, Mansion here is literally in the Greek, dwelling places or rooms, or as one scholar said in modern terms, apartments. In other words, there's going to be a place for you. Uh, there's going to be a place. Don't be disappointed. 
I can assure you, beloved, that where you will be staying if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is better than you could ever imagine or ever dream. And Jesus says, listen, there's room for you in heaven. That's a wonderful promise. He said, secondly, there that he was preparing for them. He was going to prepare a place or a room literally for them. In John chapter 14, verse 2, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I love that. He's preparing a place just for them. Think about this, beloved Christian today. There's a place in heaven just for you. There's a place He's preparing for you. Think about that. That doesn't uh, thrill you. I don't know what will. And then notice under this idea of the promise of heaven, there was not only room for them, He was preparing for them, but He was returning for them. He would return again and receive them to be with them. Look at verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, there it is again, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, isn't that a glorious thought? Jesus wants us to be with Him. Think about that. Jesus wants us to be with Him. In fact, in His high priestly prayer, uh, jot these references down. John seventeen twenty four. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says. This is Jesus praying in John seventeen twenty four. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you've given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. When Jesus is praying to the Father in John 17, He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. And then we read here in John 14 what? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's talking about the rapture of the church. Now, some of us in here, if the Lord Jesus does not come back beforehand, some of us are going to go to heaven through death. We're going to die. And the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And that's a glorious thing to think about, you know, closing your eyes here and open them in heaven. It's a glorious thing. But some of us could go to heaven in the rapture. When the Lord Jesus comes, He returns in the clouds. Let me read it for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 13 through 18. Now I want to read it in a different translation just so you maybe can hear it with fresh ears today. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who've died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have died. And just stop and think about that for a moment. Your loved ones who've died and gone on ahead of you, they're going to be coming back when Jesus comes back. Now listen to what else it says. Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. And so you have the, the soul and the body being joined back together. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll be with the Lord forever. And then he says, so encourage each other with these words. Now, how can you read that and be depressed about heaven? How can you read that and be dreading going to heaven? 
To realize we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be with our loved ones who've gone on before us who knew Jesus. All of our friends that knew Jesus. We're going to be together. Hallelujah. Even so come Lord Jesus. What a glorious promise. Jesus is coming in to receive those of us who belong to Him. Listen, the promise of heaven should tickle your gizzard, not cause your liver to quiver. Alright? It's a glorious thing. The promise of heaven. But let me talk to you about something else today, and that is the place called heaven. How wonderful is heaven going to be? We can't even imagine. We can't even imagine how glorious heaven's going to be. I understand one evening a little girl was taking a walk with her father. It's a precious sight to think about that. A little girl and her father walking along there. And looking up at the stars, here's what the little girl said. She said, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be like? Think about that. If the wrong side is so pretty, what must the right side be like? Think about all the glorious creation that God has given to us. How wonderful it is to behold it. But imagine it can't hold a candle to what awaits those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, heaven is a real place for a real people. Or as the old saying used to have it, it's a prepared place for a prepared people. Now we don't have time to do an in-depth study on heaven today. Alright, we can't go to every passage, but I want to remind you of some of what the Bible says about heaven. And while we're talking about heaven, we've got to remember this verse. Jot this verse down, the reference. 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Here's what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. We can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. If you want to know more, I would encourage you to go sometime today or this week and read Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 22. Right now, let me summarize it as one did. Uh, it'll just have to suffice. Um, this is from gotquestions.org. I've recommended that site before. If you've got questions, it's a great place to go. Very solid biblical place. Gotquestions.org. Here's what it says. I'm going to give you this summary real quickly. The Apostle John was privileged to see and report on the heavenly city there in Revelation 21. John witnessed that heaven, new earth, uh, possesses the glory of God. Revelation 21.11. The very presence of God. Heaven has no light. Why? Because the Lord is the light. The Lord Himself is the light. And the sun and moon are no longer needed. Revelation 22.5. The city is filled with the brilliance of costly stones and crystal clear jasper. Heaven has twelve gates, Revelation 21.12. Twelve foundations, Revelation 21.14. The paradise of the Garden of Eden is restored. The river of the water of life flows freely. And the tree of life is available once again, yielding fruit monthly with leaves that heal the nations, Revelation 21.1 and 2. I love this part. I love this part. Heaven is a place of no mores. No mores. There'll be no more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. There'll be no more separation because death will be conquered. It's a place of no marks. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! We'll never have a funeral in heaven. There won't be hospitals in heaven. There won't be mortuaries in heaven. There won't be cemeteries in heaven. There won't be tears in heaven. There won't be all these horrible things we deal with. Sickness and sorrow and sadness. It will not be in heaven. Hallelujah! Even so come, Lord Jesus. How could you dread a place like that? The place called heaven. But that brings me to my final point, And that is the person of heaven. 
Beloved, I want you to understand something very important today. Heaven will be heaven because God will be there. Did you notice the Lord Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, verse 2, in my Father's house. In my Father's house. Think about it, beloved. God will be there. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. That's what makes heaven so glorious. Not the streets of gold. Not the the, the gates of pearls. But the fact that Jesus is there. You know, isn't it the truth that the older you get, the more people you know that are already in heaven? You ever think about that? In fact, if you get old enough, they say you'll know more people in heaven than you do on earth. Uh, Possibly. But you know what? When, When loved ones go to heaven, they know the Lord Jesus, and they go to heaven, others go to heaven. It just creates more and more interest in heaven for us, doesn't it? And we think about heaven more. But beloved, as much as we're looking forward to seeing grandmas and grandpas and husbands and wives and children and all those that have gone before us, beloved, the one we're looking forward to seeing the most is Jesus Christ. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. That's what makes it heaven. We're going to see Him face to face. In all of His glory, and all of His greatness, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to behold the One who loved us and saved us, died for us. The Bible says He still bears in His body the marks in His hands and His feet. We're going to fall before Him and worship Him throughout all eternity. You know, I get concerned because some people have a hard time sitting through a church service. And they think, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Mm. The real question, beloved, today is this. Will you be in heaven? I've got to tell you the honest truth of it. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody goes to heaven. Only those who have repented of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ, go to heaven. You're still in John 14, aren't you? Let's keep reading. Pick up at verse 4. The Lord Jesus says, And where I go you know, and the way you know. Now look at verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And notice verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He just talked about the Father's house, going to the Father's house in verse 2. And in here in verse 6, Jesus says, listen, the only way you're going to make it to the Father's house, the only way you're going to make it to the Father is through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. In other words, I'm the only way. And if you're going to go to heaven, you're only going to go if you come through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to realize that you're a sinner. All of us have sinned. All of us have messed up. We've all come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. By the way, that's why we have all this mess we have. It's because of sin. But God loves us so much. He said, I'm not going to just leave you in that. I'm going to send my Son, my perfect, wonderful Son. He's going to take upon Himself flesh. He's going to come as that baby in Bethlehem. He's going to grow up and live a sinless, perfect life. He's going to voluntarily lay His life on the cross, shed His precious blood. He's going to die, voluntarily be buried, and then He's going to rise again victorious, conquering sin, hell, and the grave, and death. And beloved, if you'll turn from your sin and trust Jesus, believe on Jesus alone, the Bible says He will save you. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll cleanse you from your sin. He'll make you a child of God. 
and He'll give you a home in heaven. Our true home. If you've never done that today, if you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're going to a horrible place called hell. You say, what do I have to do to go to hell? Nothing. You're already under condemnation. But if you'll turn from your sin today and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be going to a glorious place called heaven and one day you'll see Jesus Christ face to face. Have you done that? Nobody else can do that for you, by the way. Nobody else can believe for you or trust for you. You alone must turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And I beg of you today to do that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Today is the day of salvation. I don't know about you, but you realize that life is uncertain. This may be the very last opportunity you have. In eternity is forever, literally. And so I beg of you today to turn from your sin and place your faith. In Jesus Christ. You know, I was privileged growing up that I got to preach in the churches, some churches in the hills of uh, Tennessee and Virginia. And I wouldn't take anything for those experiences and some of the stories I could share of preaching in those places. And I'll be honest with you, their services were much simpler than ours. Danielle, I think maybe later on you'll accompany me on some of these. Uh, in a lot of these churches, you didn't need a microphone. Um, I don't think you ever got a bulletin in many of them. I don't think they had bulletins. Can you imagine church without a bulletin? Could you handle that? Uh, their services were, were simple. But they loved to sing. They loved to sing in those churches. Um, and oftentimes when I would go and I would preach in those churches, I would usually sing a solo. And sometimes, well, I guess probably most times in, in a lot of those churches, I would have to sing that solo a cappella. And, and I want to share a song this morning that I used to, to sing. And I want to sing it like I used to sing it back in those mountain churches in the hills of Tennessee and Virginia. And um, I just had this song on my heart this past week. And I'm going to sing it the way I used to sing it. Now, I can't do it exactly. I've lost some of my accent over the years. <laughs> and my voice is not as strong as it used to be when I was younger. But here's how I'd sing this song. Often I'm hindered on my way. Burden so heavy I almost fall. Then I hear my Jesus sweetly say, Heaven will surely be worth it all. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Worth all the sorrows that here befall. After this life, with all its pain and strife, heaven will surely be worth it all. Many the trials, toils, and tears, 
Many a heartache may hear a Paul, but the dear Lord so truly says, Heaven will surely be worth it all. Toiling and pain, I will endure till I shall hear the death angel call. Jesus has promised, and I'm sure heaven will surely be worth it all. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Worth all the sorrows that down here befall. After this life, with all its pain and strife, heaven will surely be worth it all. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Amen. Even so come. Lord Jesus. Father, we are so grateful for these precious promises that we've looked at this morning. The Lord Jesus sharing with us the glorious things that await us. We can't wait, Father. But I pray this morning, if anybody here does not know for a hundred percent sure that heaven is their home. That they're going to heaven. I pray your Holy Spirit would touch their heart and convict them right now. Lord, show them their need of Christ. And bring them to repentance and faith in Christ today. And then Lord, for those of us who know you. When the days are long and the burdens are heavy. And there is that toil and strife. Would you, Father, bring to our remembrance these precious words from our precious Savior. That our hearts would not be troubled, but they'd be rejoicing in you and in the fact that we're going to spend eternity with you. Father, do a work which only you can do in this place. We ask that you would take charge of this invitation. That you would help us, Lord, to be obedient and responsive to the Spirit's working here today. We love you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The closing song this morning I think is the most appropriate one. In the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore.
And if you don't know for certain today that you're going to be in heaven, I'd love to talk with you and help you and show you again from the Scripture of the Gospel. And then maybe there are some today and you just need to come and pray, rejoice, cast burdens on the Lord. Whatever it is you need to do today, would you just be obedient? The altar is open here. I'm going to be down front if I can help you in some way. But let's stand together. The altar is open. The invitation is clear, I hope. 515, there's a land that is fairer than day in the sweet by and by. Thank you.